Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. And because Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between, by the way, we are, as we read through the Bible this year, as we read through the Bible every year, very specifically this year, as we read through the Bible, we are finding Jesus from cover to cover. Este año estamos descubriendo a Jesucristo de principio a fin. Wow. Why? Because he's the reason why, right? He is God's Logos, he's the ology, Christology. Jesus is the reason for everything. And so far, we've been discovering, we've been finding Jesus in creation, the fall, Abel, Noah's Ark, the Tower of Babel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the Passover. We see Jesus through God delivering his people out of Israel through the, out of out of Egypt through the Red Sea. We also know that Jesus is the bread of heaven, manna, right? We see Jesus in the gushing rock. If you haven't been here, just bear with me. Uh, we see Jesus in the giving of God's law, the Ten Commandments. We see Jesus as we trace the yes, but as we t- we, this was a couple of weeks ago as we trace the tabernacle, right? Throughout the Bible, we also see, we didn't take time to really dig into this, but we can see Jesus through all of the sacrifices in the book of Leviticus, which actually are a shadow of, or it's more of a reflection of the Passover that we learned about, right, and a foreshadowing of the cross. We see Jesus in the Day of Atonement, which actually foreshadows the crucifixion, and now we come to Numbers, Right? But before I jump into numbers, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word snake? <laughs> For some of you that probably conjured up some, some, some bad or frightened feelings, we may have some snake lovers in the house. Is anybody here afraid of snakes? Who's not afraid of snakes? I'm not. I grew up, I mean, I grew up in the country. We... We had snakes, whatever. Just don't don't let it bite you, right? Anyone anyone a snake lover? Like anybody got a pet snake? I have a pet snake. Okay, all right. Question. Okay, if you grew up in the city, you might not know this, but if you grew, grew up in the country, you're more prone to know what does a snake track look like. Anybody know what? If you're walking out in the in the wilderness, yeah. If you're walking out in the woods. What would, it, what would a snake track look like? Yeah, like lines in the dirt, okay? So t- the title of today's message is Snake on a Stick. Snake on a Stick. And we were laughing about it this morning before service because they said snake kebab. So uh, however you wish, but my title is Snake on a Stick. And for that, we're going to go to Numbers chapter 21. Who's ready for the Bible this morning? Now, Numbers chapter 21 is a part of the story of God's people, the people of Israel, right? After they have been delivered from slavery out of Egypt, God's going to lead them into their promised land. But for 40 years, they are wandering around in the wilderness, right? Out in 
the desert. God wanted to lead them directly into the promised land, but because of their bad heart, they had to wander around for 40 years before a new generation could be led into the promised land. So Numbers 21 is part of that journey through the wilderness, through the desert. So let's go to verse 4. Verses 4 through 9. The people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. Not the first time they complained, by the way, right? <laughs> There's nothing to eat here, nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna. Wait, what? We'll have to come back to that. We hate the manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. And many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Look at God's answer. The Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will, all who are bitten will live if they simply Look at it. If they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Come on, say snake on a stick. Now turn to your neighbor and say, watch out for snakes. Now turn to another neighbor and say, look out for snake tracks. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Turn to somebody behind you and say, look out for snake tracks in your heart. I want to start by talking a little bit about snake tracks that we can find in our heart or evidence of snake activity in our hearts, right? Come on, who's the snake? Might be a little bit too excited this morning. All right. Who do we know throughout Scripture the snake represents? Satan, the devil, that's right. So let's, let's take a look at some evidence if the snake is at work in our heart. Okay, but first, before we can see that evidence, we must know something about this story and about life. Ready? Waiting is always a heart test. Waiting is always a heart test. They had to wait. <laughs> and they didn't have a choice but to wait. But they surely didn't like it. Waiting, and I want you to think about your life. Have you ever had to wait on something? 
Have you ever known you're after something good, but you have to wait to get there? Right? It's not microwave. It's more of a slow cooker. Waiting is always a test of our heart, of where our heart is. And we have to know this. God doesn't make us wait to hurt us. He makes us wait to help us. God doesn't make us wait on things to hurt us. He makes us and actually leads us in waiting on things sometimes to develop us and grow us, especially our friendship with him. But these people weren't having it. And we laugh, and we whoo, but sometimes we're not having it. And rather than allowing the waiting process to help us and grow us and develop our friendship with God, the waiting hurts us, but that's not God's fault, nor his intention. He causes us oftentimes to wait to strengthen our endurance. To strengthen our hope. To strengthen our faith. To strengthen our relationship, our friendship with him. But sometimes we let the snakes in. Now some of the things I'm going to say today are going to be hard to hear. But let me tell you what's even harder, to get snake bit. Some of the things we're going to take a look at that we see from this scripture are going to be hard to to take in. But it's even harder to get bitten by a poisonous snake, to be ruined and to even die because we allow the snake to work. Are we ready? Come on, say, watch out. For snake tracks. Number one. Ready? Impatience reveals an unsubmitted heart. Snake track number one. Impatience. And all of us probably want to crawl into a hole right now because we've all been impatient in our waiting. Even on the things of the Lord. Sometimes especially on the things And the blessings from the Lord, right? But impatience reveals an unsubmitted heart. Why do I say that? A heart that's not willing to be dealt with. A heart that's not willing to bend. To bow. To change. How many of you know sometimes we just need to change? I know many times in my life I've been going through stuff... And the reality is, is I just need to change something in my life, in my heart. But impatience reveals that my heart is not submitted and being dealt with or allowing him to deal with my heart. They wanted to be in control of the journey rather than allowing God to deal with them through the journey. No one gets excited because we've all done it, right? If we ever find ourselves getting impatient 
in our waiting as we follow after God, then we need to take a look at our heart and see, are we allowing God to deal with us? Is our heart submitted to him or do we just want to be in control of our destiny and the journey, right? <laughs> Let me tell you this. Your destiny, if you follow Jesus, is absolutely secure. But you can't control the journey. I can't control the journey. The only thing I can do is follow Jesus, knowing for sure that the destiny is secure. That the kingdom is for sure. That my salvation is awaiting me. And there's a journey that I can't control. And I need patience if I'm going to make it. In reality, God makes us wait sometimes because we have to learn to become patient. And how many times have you said this, or I know, I, 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 or at least felt this, Lord, I just, I'm just impatient. And the Lord's like, well, yeah, that's the issue. <laughs> I'm just losing my, Lord, I need patience. And the Lord's like, that's exactly why you're waiting. If sometimes we just submit our heart, the need for patience would just become possessing patience, having patience. Sometimes we need to stop thinking, I need patience, and just embrace, I'm going to be patient. Guess what? You don't even have a choice. We don't have a choice but to be patient. And sometimes... The journey will become quicker and simpler if we just embrace that reality. If we just submit to the process, right? We must learn to submit our heart to God's ways and to his process. Impatience reveals an unsubmitted heart. Number two, negativity comes from an unbelieving heart. Negativity comes from an unbelieving heart. Remember who these people were? The people that God had, not because they deserved it, but out of his great mercy and love and compassion, he had come down with power and brought all this judgment and plagues against Egypt. And he had rescued them from slavery because he heard their groaning under slavery and he had compassion on them. He had come to Egypt. He had rescued them. He'd set them free and he'd promised them a, 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 a land of blessing, a land that flowed with milk and honey, right? These are those people. But they didn't trust the God who had saved them to sustain them. They didn't believe. They honestly did not believe that the God who had rescued them would take care of them. If you trusted God to save you, might you also trust God to sustain you? If I can look back and see how he saved me, can't I believe now that the, along the journey he'll sustain me and he'll take care of me and he'll provide for me? So be careful when you start getting negative. Check your heart for unbelief. Turn your heart back to the one that you believed in to save you. 
and believe that he'll also sustain you throughout the whole journey. Amen? Impatience reveals an unsubmitted heart. Negativity comes from an unbelieving heart. Complaining comes from an ungrateful heart. This is just what blows my mind. It actually says that they said that they hated the manna. Okay, does everybody remember what manna was? Um, it was miraculous food that appeared out of nowhere supernaturally every morning on the ground. In the middle of a desert where there was no food. That if it wasn't there, they would have died very quickly. As Jackie called it one time, sky bread. Right? Bread from the sky. Bread, literally, this food that was obviously nutritious because they were okay for all those years eating manna. Right? I don't, maybe, maybe it wasn't the best tasting thing, the most beautiful and appealing food, you know, because we read about them saying that they wish they still had garlic and cucumbers and melons. And okay, I mean, I understand that, you know, sometimes you want a little variety, but listen, they were in the desert with no food and they would have died. But the Lord in his goodness and his faithfulness and his love for them supernaturally caused this food to appear and disappear every day. It was a miracle. And we just read that they said they hated it. That just blows my mind. I don't know if they remembered where it came from. I don't know if they understood if God just decided, okay, no more manna for you. That would have been the end of them. And sometimes we complain about what God gives us and how he gives it to us. And in reality, he's given you something. You're still here. You're okay. What if he withdrew his love and his compassion and said, okay, no more manna for you. He says that they hated it. Why? Because they were ungrateful. And this is the thing. I think that they simply felt entitled to something better. They felt like they deserved something better than this. Be careful when you start feeling like you deserve better. Let's remember what we actually deserve because of our sin. Eternal judgment. The fact that we're living and breathing and have been given the grace to repent of our sins and be saved. We don't deserve any of that goodness, but we have it in Jesus, right? We better be careful. We better be careful with ungratefulness, with ingratitude. And this is the thing. Again, I think they felt entitled to something better or something easier, right? And this is the, re this is the deal. God was going to give them something better and easier. He was leading them into the land that flowed with milk and honey, the land of abundance, the land where it rained enough, where they were going to have crops and they were going to live off of the fruit of the land. But they couldn't get there because they had snakes in their heart. They couldn't get there because they allowed their hearts to be ungrateful. And this, my friends, is where it gets super dangerous. 
A complain, complaining comes from an ungrateful heart, but unchecked ingratitude leads to an offended heart. When we're ungrateful and we don't get that under control, we become offended. Our heart becomes offended with God. They were offended. I mean, who do you tell somebody that you hate what they're doing if you're not offended with them? They were offended with God because they had not checked their ungrateful hearts. I told you this wasn't going to be like fun. It's, it's going to get better, I promise. But this is the deal. We've got we to gotta face reality, right? A heart that fails to remember God's past goodness and focuses only on the present challenge right in front of you will become offended if you're not careful. You'll become offended if you're not careful. If all we see is right now what I'm going through, if all I see right now is the challenge I'm facing, if all I see right now is I feel dry and weary, if all I see right now is, Lord, give me something better, look, if all we see right now is what we're going through is hard. Anybody go through something hard? Anybody currently going through something hard? Look at me. But do you remember what he's done? I know sometimes things get tough. I know sometimes things get difficult. Challenging. There are obstacles in the way. You feel like you deserve better, right? But do you remember what he's already done for you? If we don't take the time to recall his faithfulness to us, how he's saved us, how he's forgiven us, how he's provided for us in the past, how he's set us free in the past, how he's healed us. If we don't take time and discipline ourselves to remember how good he's been and we only look at what's right in front of us, the challenge, the, 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 the problem, then our heart can become ungrateful and offended with God. Why aren't you doing something, Lord? Sometimes the path, I would say most of the time, the next step towards getting God to move on your behalf is to thank him for what he's already done. You need him to provide? Don't complain and don't be offended that he hasn't provided yet. Remember how he's provided before. You need him to heal your body? And you're not healed yet? Well, don't complain about it and get offended with him about it. Remember how before he's given you health. You're in a situation that seems like there's no way out. Don't get offended with him that he isn't getting you out of it yet. Remember where he got you out from before. Because gratefulness, gratefulness is the only acceptable way to approach God.
gratitude is the only acceptable way to talk to him. Even when it's hard, we remember his goodness, his faithfulness, his love that has somehow in the past moved on our behalf. Amen? Because if not, it leads to the worst of the worst. And that is this one. Unresolved offenses turn to bitterness. Unresolved offense. If we allow our heart to be offended and we don't resolve it, we don't work it out, that turns into bitterness, which is absolute poison for our soul. Bitterness turns the heart away from the goodness of God. Listen, when you're bitter, when you're bitter, you can't even remember. I've seen it. I've seen it too many times. You see somebody, God's been so good to them. And granted, they're going through something very hard right now. But they're bitter and they can't even recall what God already did in them. Or they begin to question, did that really happen? Was that really him? Was he really good to me? Bitterness is poison. If our heart turns from the goodness of God, from seeing the goodness of God, our soul will die. How do I know if I'm bitter? <laughs> well, first of all, offense towards God. But listen, if you can't rejoice in his faithfulness, his goodness and love, because you're offended about the current situation, you're bitter. Because the Bible says we are to rejoice even in suffering. If I can't rejoice, listen, I, this is for me first. <laughs> if I can't rejoice when I remember who he is and what he's done for me, because of what I'm facing right now, if I can't rejoice knowing who he is, I'm bitter. I'm snake bitten. The venom has entered my heart. And the bad news is that we've all been snake bitten. Come on, who's the snake? We've all been snake bitten. That's pretty bad news, huh? All right, amen. You can go home now. I'm so glad that the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> Come on, you can give him a better hand than that. <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> the gospel, the good news is that there's a solution. <laughs> there is an antidote. 
There is an anti-venom. John 3, 14 and 15, and as Moses, this is Jesus saying, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. The snake, look at me, the snake has been smitten. <laughs> the snake has been defeated. The good news is that there is an antidote. There is an antivenin. His name is Jesus. And he's been lifted up on the cross for us. He's been lifted up. The snake on the snick, the stick. The snake on the snick. The snake on the stick represented the defeat of sin and Satan through the Savior. I don't know if you've ever read this story and went, why, why a snake? Well, hello. <laughs> the snake on the stick, that snake kebab. That snake attached to that pole lifted up that everybody had to look at it if they wanted to be healed and not die. Represented, here's your Christology, represented the defeat of sin because sin went on the cross right the Bible says that he was nailed to the cross all the list of the accusations that were against us will nail to the cross with Jesus there amen and the Bible says that when Jesus hung on the cross he publicly exposed and disgraced and put to shame that mean awful snake he put the devil to shame he exposed who that snake really is Jesus is the antidote. He is the solution. He is the answer. The snake has been dealt with. The devil has been dealt with. Sin has been dealt with. We are not hopeless, but hope-filled. We don't have to be bitten and die, but we've all been bitten and can be healed. Because Jesus, the Savior, has defeated that snake. Jesus, can, I want you to understand that when Jesus went to the cross, everything that evil had to throw at humanity came upon him. Evil with a capital E. All of it. That's why Jesus said, now, right now, right before he went to the cross, now is the time when the power of darkness reigns. It's going to do its thing, right? Now is the time. When Jesus went to the cross, he confronted not just your and my individual sins. Thank God that our individual sins we're on Jesus at the cross so that we could be forgiven. But he confronted all evil. And he took it upon himself when he went to the cross. And then on the third day, he resurrected from the dead. And in, when he resurrected, when he rose from the grave, he defeated permanently sin, 
Satan and all evil. Now look, this is important. Because Jesus confronted and defeated evil, he can deliver and heal you and me of all our little evils. Every little evil, what we just looked at, and everything else. He can set us free. He can heal us from all of that because he took on evil itself when he went to the cross and he won. Come on, somebody. Jesus picked a fight with that mean, awful snake. And we read it in the beginning in Genesis. There was the serpent's head crushed under his feet. They had to look at it to be healed. We have to look at the cross of Jesus and believe. Why? Why? Why this? Because that cross where Jesus was crucified in our place is the most vivid picture of God's love and goodness and faithfulness. If for every moment you doubt if God is good, you look back at the cross. Remember, they had to look at it. They couldn't just know it was there. They had to look at it to be healed. If we want our hearts healed, we have to look at Jesus crucified. We have to look at Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. He took it all upon himself so we could be healed, so we could be free. What did the Lord tell Moses? All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. How simple and childlike. Just a look. Because in looking, they were putting their trust in it. Because look at me. Oh, yeah, look at a snake on a stick, and I'm going to be healed. They had to be childlike. They had to have faith to go, okay, whatever you say, Lord. If we want to be healed, we have to look at Jesus. And if we want, listen, if we want to stay healed, we have to keep looking. We have to keep our eyes on him. Lest we be bitten and poisoned again and again and again. The cross of Jesus is the way we get saved. The cross of Jesus is the way we stay saved. The cross of Jesus is what provides forgiveness and healing initially, but the cross of Jesus is what keeps me forgiven and keeps me healed. I have to look and I have to keep looking. You guys, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. When we keep our eyes on Jesus and the cross, we keep our hearts clean of that poison.
have you. Just want to give two opportunities today as we close. Have you come into real friendship with God through Jesus Christ? Have you allowed Jesus to heal your heart? Have you allowed Jesus to free you from that venom? Have you looked to Jesus and trusted in Jesus? Not in yourself, not in religion, not in anybody or anything. Have you looked to the cross of Jesus and believed and trusted in him to save you? If not, you can right now. You can do it right now. Does anybody need to make that decision today? Say, I, I want to be healed. I want to be free. I want to be forgiven. I want to be saved. Today, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you have not put your faith and your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, today is the day. Right now is your moment. The Bible says that if you do, if you repent of your sins, if you turn to Jesus, you'll be born again. You'll receive a whole new life. You'll be healed. You'll be saved. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, or if at some point maybe in your life you said yes to Jesus, but your heart has been reinfected, bitten. Maybe your heart has grown cold towards God. Maybe you used to have a relationship with God and you really don't anymore. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, would you just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I, wanna get, I need to give my life. I want to surrender my heart and my life to Jesus today. First time or you've, been, you've gotten far from God and you need to come back. Anyone? Okay. Who else? you'll look at him, he'll, he'll get the poison out today. Anybody else say, that's me? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Again, if you've never, if you've never surrendered your life, or you, you, maybe you did, but you've gotten away, and you want to come back today. Anybody else say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my heart. I want to put my trust in him. Anybody else say, that's me? Let's stand and lift our hands to him. Come on, just for the next minute or so, if, uh, if, if we could just not move around or go in and out, okay? Let's lift our hands. In just a, a short minute, I'm going to make another invitation for, I believe, many more of us. But there's some people in the house this morning that, that are here, that are here in the family, in the house today. And saying, I need to give my heart, I need to surrender. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's coming back. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. That's, that's really okay, that's not the point. The point is your heart. And I just want to invite you 
to pray something like this. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can use my words or you can use your own words. The point is surrender your heart. But come on, let's all go to the Lord together today. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come on, it's that simple. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you came and went to the cross. You took my sin upon yourself. Jesus, you were beaten, mistreated, crucified in my place so I could have peace. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I look to you today, and I believe. I believe you died for me. I believe you took my place. I believe you paid the price, Jesus. And I surrender. I surrender. I put my trust in you, in you alone. I don't trust in myself. I don't trust in religion. I don't trust in anybody else. I trust in you. My faith is in you, Jesus. I give you my heart. Save me. Heal me. Set me free. I believe you're alive, Jesus. Come on, the Bible says we need to declare that we believe God raised him from the dead. Come on, let's say it. I believe you're alive, Jesus. And I declare you are my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.